0: You're listening to the Charge Forward audio blog by Chargebacks 911, bringing you the latest in payments and fraud. To learn more about how Chargebacks 911 can help you reduce chargebacks and recover revenue lost to fraud, visit us online at chargebacks911.com. This episode is from an earlier interview with Monica Eaton Cardone, the COO at Chargebacks 911.
1: Monica is the co-founder CIO at Chargebacks 911. She has a wealth of experience when it comes to online fraud and payments, and her focus is predominantly on chargebacks and helping retailers and merchants fight fraud. In this podcast, Monica discusses the different types of fraud in today's landscape and the best practices for merchants to grow securely in new markets. very much for you know, being a guest on our podcast. It's great to have you. Um, so the first thing I wanted to start with is just an overview of your role at Chargebacks 911 and just a bit of a business background.
0: Sure. Uh, so I got into the chargeback world out of necessity. Starting in 2007, I was a merchant online struggling with how to manage chargebacks. It's the one area of a business that I couldn't establish any type of a prediction on. And one area that continued to create pain and havoc and, you know, you just, it's, there's a whole lot of unknown uh, equations. So the more that we delved into the chargeback problem, trying to figure out how to solve it, we found that it's actually quite complex. There's a lot of changing um, things going on. And this entire industry around disputes and chargebacks is completely Antiquated. So it's about 30 years old. Um, Chargebacks were created in 1972. And really, technology has continued to increase in terms of creating new transactions. But handling the disputes, it really hasn't changed that much. That's why it's so challenging. So so bottom line, I ended up um, in my company at the time, I started codifying all of the reasons that we found ourselves. Uh, we're creating chargebacks. And fast forward, you know, several years, then we ended up creating a technology and developed a platform where we can identify the source of a chargeback, not just the reason that it may have come, you know, through the bank, but actually what really did cause that? Was it, you know, did you forget to ship a product if you're the the retailer? Um, or is the issuer, you know, assuming that it's fraud or do you have a behavior called friendly fraud where the customer either intentionally or non-intentionally is filing a chargeback that in order to get a refund. So bottom line, we developed this technology. We figured out how to predict our own chargebacks and solve those problems and identified that there's a lot of invalid chargebacks where the only thing you need to do as a merchant or as a retailer is dispute that, providing that you follow all the rules, all the regulations. It's kind of like uh, tax, it seems. Um, And then you can recover your money. And we ended up creating Chargebacks 911 uh, first in the States. Uh, We went Mm -hmm. public with that in 2012. And then it just quickly evolved and I am fortunate enough to be one of the founders. And just, just on
1: retailers and merchants a little bit, what do you think some of the, the biggest challenges they're facing at the
0: moment are? Um, I think one of, one of the biggest uh, challenges for retailers, uh, or for online merchants especially, is just the increase of chargeback activity that they're seeing. These are um, disputes, chargebacks, and not just chargebacks but also one of the precursors or one of the things that that often accompanies a chargeback problem is high decline rates so mm-hmm. if you're a merchant and you have an online store then you'll probably notice that you start suffering issuer declines these are pesky decline reasons that you really have no idea why it's causing a decline but it creates lower conversion rates and the problem with this is that oftentimes the merchant looks at solving that problem by, you know, a number of different things: changing their fraud filter settings, doing, you know, ten other items. However, that's not really addressing the source. The source mm. of this problem is generally related to a reputation that the issuer or that the merchant may have um, with that specific issuer. Um, that in the best way to help combat that and reduce those those issuer declines, where essentially the bank is stepping in front of the consumer and saying, you know, I don't trust this customer, I don't trust this merchant. This is not a good seller. Um, The best way is to provide feedback. And one of the vehicles that merchants have to provide feedback to defend themselves is through disputing chargebacks that come from that issuer. top two problems that merchants are facing is one, you know, getting too many chargebacks and the, the second, um, also having their revenue suffer from some of the, the declines that they're getting as a result. It's, it's all kind of connected um, behind the scenes. And that's, that's something that we see a lot of retailers not understanding. Um, and then the last thing that I would mention on that, the other hook that connects into chargebacks and disputes and the reason why these statistics are continuing to plague the industry is because you have consumer behavior that is also changing. So imagine if I am a consumer and I can walk into a store and steal a pair of shoes and walk Mm -hmm. out and there's no consequence whatsoever, then maybe I would do it again. (laughs) And, you know, if I'm not very ethical, I'm going to do it again and again and again, right? Um, Because there's, there's zero consequence. Well, when it comes to chargebacks, if the merchant doesn't understand how to dispute illegitimate attempts, they're actually giving customers the merchandise and giving them a refund. And mm. that type of behavior starts to translate into refund fraud as well. So this is another you know thing that's connected to the chargeback and dispute trend, and it hooks in with the way that consumers are behaving. We're making that checkout process so incredibly efficient that you go to Amazon, you just click once and and quite literally, if I don't get a product that I ordered from Amazon in two days, then I'm already thinking that they messed up my order <laughs> and and maybe, you know, it's incorrect. And it's just two days. It's only two days. So we've we've trained consumers that with this new behavior and we have to adjust the, the way that we think in terms of, you know, mitigating or protecting ourselves from the disputes and chargebacks.
1: Absolutely, and I suppose there's now a lot of new streams and revenues for fraud. So, like you said, refund fraud or more um, so friendly fraud, now we're seeing a lot. And do you think there's just a general solution, and um, whether that's for uh, these types of frauds or chargebacks or anything, or do you think we need to raise kind of a bit more awareness around around these topics?
0: Great question. Um, so, I think in terms of refund fraud, friendly fraud, we're all we're, for refund fraud, we're already starting to see a change um, that, you know, the industry is responding to this. Um, there's, I think, uh, John Lewis just announced uh, some some more restricted um, timeframes for allowing refunds. Uh, mm-hmm. So H&M, they've done the same thing recently. I think, you know, they're responding to consumers that are taking advantage of liberal policies. And unfortunately, you know, the good consumers, we're losing some of the liberties that we have because of these, these bad consumers in the industry. In terms of friendly fraud, uh, it's, that is, you're right, it is, it's a difficult thing to identify. Um, but it, in order to, you know, it, it really takes that the whole industry needs to work, um, together and collaborate more on how to solve this problem. Merchants and retailers, can do themselves a lot of good to make sure that they dispute every single chargeback that that is identified as friendly fraud and, and we and there are things that you can do to help identify these trends but then also mm-hmm. the industry should help to increase awareness like you mentioned um, you know get 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 everybody on board so that they understand um, that this is not a behavior that will continue to be tolerated
1: absolutely. And the different types of fraud we've discussed, but also there are different markets that maybe have different trends um, in terms of fraud. So is there kind of like a, a way, I guess, to, to overcome new markets? If an e-commerce retailer, for example, wants to scale in a new market, but they're not really sure about how, you know, fraud and chargebacks operate, what would your advice be?
0: Well, I, I will say if, if you are a new retailer and you, are, you want to scale and you've never sold into the U.S., be prepared for a totally different environment. <laughs> we, we definitely are, are known for creating a lot of chargebacks and disputes. Um, so although you know you may experience more, more uplift in sales and you have a, a larger population that's going to purchase online and with cards, um, you really have to wait. You know the the balance your risk and make sure that you have a solution in place to handle the chargebacks because there will be chargebacks. Um, but the UK is coming up uh, probably in second place at this point. Um, mm-hmm. Other markets that that I would caution at least you know make sure that you're that you're going in if you're new to these markets go in with your eyes wide open. Make sure that you have a solution in place for for managing chargebacks if you haven't confronted this consult with experts, use a service that, that manages chargebacks, at least to get started until you're comfortable that this is not going to become your, your Achilles heel with growth. And these countries would be uh, the UK, Germany, uh, France is also coming up in the ranks, also Australia um, so and Canada. So these are areas that we're seeing as more of the hot markets in terms of um, chargeback origination and higher rates of chargebacks. Um, of course, if you're getting into like some of the Scandinavian countries or the Nordic region, depending on the products that you sell, you can also experience a lot of uh, chargebacks. I would definitely start out slow and make sure that, that you test you know each region and appreciate that each culture um, for every country, is going to probably address the, the chargeback scenario a little bit different. Um, mm. So make sure that you, when, when you're scaling that you take time to examine all the different parameters instead of looking at your entire business as one go. Make sure that you separate each country and, and understand each route and how, how chargebacks affect that equation so you can better manage it.
1: Absolutely, that's great advice. And just one final question, I suppose just looking ahead, what do you think we'll see a lot more of in um, in terms of fraud? Do you have any trends or predictions, or maybe in the next five years?
0: Um, I, I do think, uh, unfortunately, I do think that there's still going to be a climb of friendly fraud, um, and I'll tell you <clears throat> the reason why I would have that prediction is, despite the efforts of PSD-2 create more strong authentication. Um, the fact is, you know, I, I look at the, the innovators, right? And, mm-hmm. and I would follow their trends. And if we look at the Microsoft, the Googles, the Amazons of the world, what's happening in the industry is we're starting to remove all of that friction. We're removing authentication, um, the, you know, even I was listening to a talk by a gentleman from Microsoft a while ago and with mention that um, their goal is to create, you know, more uh, innovative and creative ways of authorizing the transaction, maybe based on just prior history with that particular retailer or particular merchant and not even utilize, you know, a lot of the, the protocols and the systems that are in place. For traditional authentication. So, what does this mean? Well, this means there may be more loopholes to get away with chargebacks as a consequence of increasing higher conversion rates. And that really will continue to be a balancing act. In I understand, you know, that the market continues to to evolve, and it's this it's these large retailers that are creating the most influence. The rest of us really have to take heed. And make sure that that we're not resisting that change, we're adopting that type of change, and we're continuing to evolve to to get technology in place um, that can that can really keep pace. So for chargebacks and disputes, I would also forecast that there's going to be a lot of AI and some great intelligence around being able to to not only you know predict chargebacks, but also truly uncover the source. Hopefully, we'll see in the near future, um, in the next five years at least, that there will be much more collaboration where mm-hmm. not just, you know, the banks, but merchants, retailers will all collaborate with each other and share the, the chargeback behavior patterns so that we can make sure as an industry, we provide a consequence to the friendly fraud abusers. <laughs> Um, yeah. that's one of the best things that we can do. If you look at, there's, there's a lot of blacklists out there for traditional fraud or for stolen cards. What we're missing is the other part of the equation, and that's actually growing at the highest rate. But to do so, we need, the whole industry needs to collaborate. We need to get on the same page and recognize, you know, this is just something that we're going to have to do in order to curb these trends. Data will be king, definitely. So if maybe one, one piece of advice for merchants is, you know, whether you're online or offline, if you have a retail store or a website, then the more data that is collected, um, the better. The data will definitely become a very, very valuable interchange when it comes to, um, determining chargebacks. Uh, and being able to predict chargeback trends and also being able to recover funds from those disputes that were that were invalid. So don't forget to collect as much data as possible, even if you don't think that it's valuable today. Um, mm. Chances are things change so rapidly, it will become valuable. Just just make sure that that's, that that's collected and stored and you have the correct data integrity so you can turn that into an asset later on.